Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to bluenile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at bluenile.com for $50 off your purchase. bluenile.com code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. a little extra this week because I've been out for a couple of weeks. My name is Kave Hoda. Do oh. do people really want to hear that? You know, surprisingly, they do. I swear to God. Like, if I like do a subdued one, people are like, "Well, are you okay? What happened? <laughs> What's wrong?" That that's that's so interesting. All right, please continue. <laughs> I think that's the first time Sharky's seen this live. Uh, again, my name is Kave Hoda. I hope I'm saying that correctly. I am joined today by someone else with an interesting name. Sharky Laguana. Sharky, hi, buddy. Hey. Hi, people. We're sitting next to each other, like, uncomfortably close, if I'm being honest. Oh, is this uncomfortably close? I have not been this close to a non-wife person in a long time. I'm I thought you were going to say non-white person. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're the whitest person I've talked to in a long time. I was going to say, like, I'm pretty white. Yeah, yeah, no, you got that covered, man. Yeah. Um, l- l- let me introduce you. Okay, yeah. so our, our listeners, our longtime listeners definitely mm-hmm. know you. You've been on the show, mm-hmm. like, uh, I don't know, five or six times at least. Okay. You are a musician from okay. the band Creeper Lagoon, one of my favorite bands of all time. You are also a small business owner. Yeah. And you are the CEO of Bandigo. Yeah. And Campago. Yeah. You are the president, correct me if I'm wrong, of the Rental oh boy. American Rental Car Association. Have you been stalking my LinkedIn? I absolutely have. And you are also the San Francisco Small Business Commissioner. Are you not? Well, I'm the president of the Small Business Commission. Yeah. What did I say? Commissioner? Yeah. Okay. What's the difference? Uh, there isn't really. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Joining us also via Zoom, not live today, but Zoom, and we're looking at you. This is nice. We get to at least That's look live. at you. Yeah, it's Zoom live. is live. It's this live. Is, you're right. You're right. right. We're not, all going through wires and electronics into a recording device. 
That's fucking deep, Sharky. Yeah. Um, joining us is Dr. Ashley Winter, urologist, sexual health expert, the uh, chief medical officer of Odella Health. Am I correct about that? You are correct about that. Any, yeah. any titles I did not put in that I should have? Uh, Her, Her, Her Royal Highness. I don't, I don't know. No, yes, no, I don't. Highness. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. I don't have a lot of titles. That is, I am a urologist, and uh, and I am the CMO at at, at odellahealth.com. What is Odella Health? Uh, it is a, a telehealth company, uh, venture backed, that's focused on women's sexual health, um, and our core products are. Uh, sex, sex coaching and vaginal estrogen, which um, hmm. for people who who come to this from following me on Twitter uh, know that I am obsessed with vaginal estrogen. So uh, yeah, and and basically the idea is to kind of um, make those both of those options for treatment uh, more accessible and affordable. Um, so it's been really cool experience doing that. Um, it's very different than like clinical practice medicine, which, which, you know, I, I always plan to continue doing, but, um, but I have a lot of like work meetings with engineers that are, you know, 12 years younger than me. And they're talking in all this jargon that I don't know (laughs) what it is and it's not medical jargon. And it's, uh, and I'm like the old person <laughs> and i'm 38 so you know but but damn that is old yeah my god you're the but, oldest person we've ever had on the show actually <laughs> no but like right in medicine I if you're attending feel, I, and like <laughs> i feel sorry for how old she is that's depressing really we really gotta go for a younger guest clientele <laughs> right. here uh, this no, is i know i'm not old but i'm like but in medicine, right, when you're like in your 30s and you're an attending, you're like, you feel like the young person. And then like yeah. you go into this tech environment and they're like, oh, my God, like you're a millennial. It's like gross. You're millennial. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah, that's that's. I know. I know. Yeah, we're, no, we are, too. We're we're mille- we're we're firmly Sharky and I firmly millennial slash Gen Z. I'm, I'm speak yeah. for yourself. I'm totally Gen Z. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a little <laughs> older and wiser. Um, So. Okay, let's let's start with some very basic questions. Uh, we're going to get back to the vaginal estrogen. I think we have to discuss that at some mm. point. But let for our listeners who don't know what a urologist is, or maybe confuse it with a nephrologist, can you tell us what a urologist is? Yeah, so a urologist is um, a physician um, who is trained uh, basically in all the surgical conditions of the kidneys, ureter, bladder. Um, and male genital urinary tract. So testicles, um, prostate, um, penis. Uh, and then, you know, we also, because, because we kind of have this area of expertise in um, the male genitals and the, the urinary tract in general, then we do also do female sexual dysfunction. Um, and that's one of my areas of interest. Um, and I say that's because, um, you know, female sexual organs are basically the same as, as men's just rearranged differently, um, to some extent. So, uh, so, so yeah, that, that's, you know, the, the, the gist of it. Um, you know, so if you're going to like have a kidney stone that you need blasted, you're going to see a urologist, um, if you have bladder cancer and you need your bladder taken out, that's a urologist. If you have prostate cancer and you need your prostate taken out, that's a urologist. And then, um, and then there's areas that have more overlap with other specialties, like 
you know, if you have urinary incontinence um, and you're a woman, you might go to a urologist or a urogynecologist, which is um, somebody who has similar training but may have started as a gynecologist with a gynecologist residency. Um, so that's the long kind of boring answer. <laughs> but uh, the other the other answers were kind of like plumbers of uh, plumber doctors. No, 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 no. I'm a gastroenterologist. <laughs> we use the plumber analogy. You find a different analogy. That's our analogy. Okay. <laughs> I mean, we got to have the flow. We're from well, plumbers actually, also, man. Well, let, I, I let mean, me, like, you guys are the sanitation You guys are like workers. sink. You, like, work the sink. We work, like, the toilet. But let me let me ask you this. Yeah. Do you get the same question that I do? Because as a gastroenterologist, the most common question I get when someone gets wheeled in. Let me see if Sharky can guess. Mm. When someone gets wheeled in for procedure and we're going to get started and they look at me, the most common question I get is, what do you think, Sharky? Is it going to hurt? That would be a good question. Normally what it is, is why did you go into this? <laughs> What's, oh, it's, right. it's like a loaded yeah. question, right? Because yeah. it's like, what the fuck is wrong with you that would make yeah. you want to deal with this part of the body? Because right. urology, like gastroenterology, is probably not like the sexiest thing. You can't be like, I'm a pediatric cardiologist. I'm a neurosurgeon. Yeah, you know, brain surgeon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's not as quite as or even sexy. Car, 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 yeah, car, cardiac. cardiac. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's that's, like, that's a winner every time. Yeah, exactly. So do you get that, like in your field. <laughs> Well, well, two two things. So first, a question: What do you tell them? Me, I'm yeah. like, I'm like, I don't know. I don't honestly, God, I'm so depressed. I'm here doing this right now. I'm I'm thinking about going home. And no, I'm just kidding. I'll, I'll, you know, I've had a lifelong passion for the butt. <laughs> you know, what yeah, yeah. No, that's what I mean. Like, do you give a serious? It depends. Honor, Hon like honestly, it it'll, it'll depend on the day. Uh, I'll either make a joke or not. But if I am being serious, the thing I'll be I'll say is that you know. There's not many fields of medicine where you get to be both procedural, do hands-on things, you know, do things that like require like a certain artistry and cerebral at the same time. Mm. Like there's not that many fields of medicine where you can do that. It's usually one or the other. And GI is one of these things where I can look at a complex liver problem and go through something and try and solve that. And that's really fun. Or I can do something procedural with my hands, you mm -hmm. know, something tangible, like remove a large polyp that could become cancer mm -hmm. um that's why i that's that's usually the the answer i give if i'm giving a serious answer what do you do yeah well so my second thing was just to make a comment of, about urology not being sexy so when i was in residency i was on this television show um it was like a medical docudrama it was called ny med it was on abc uh, you can look it up i was on the second season of it but it was like a legitimate thing like prime time um, broadcast TV, like uh, 6 million viewers in real time. Um, but when they were filming it, right, I was like followed around by uh, this camera team for like months. And, you know, I was a third year resident. Um, so that's like, you know, during your training, I have a six year program. So I was still pretty low on the totem pole. And, um, you know, and everyone else they were following, like I was the comic relief person, like all the other doctors they were following were just like the trauma team and the neurosurgeons and the cardiac surgeons right. and, um, you know, like, and, and the transplant surgeon and, and, you know, they follow me, like, and I'd be walking down to the ER and they'd be like, are you about to go save a life? And I'd be like, no. <laughs> and they'd be like, not even like a little bit, like this kind of save somebody's life. And I'd be like, no, <laughs> I'd be like, I don't know. I mean, I guess they could die from discomfort or something. And now I'm like, but, but no, this is not like an imminently life threatening situation. And they were always so sad because, you know, they were trying to like, 
amp it up for, for the, got, to make high stakes. I got three <laughs> words for you. PP hurts. <laughs> I, know, I know. I'm like, <laughs> like, no, there's a kidney stone, but it's not like this person's not having a, a stroke or a heart attack yeah, or like, mm-hmm. like yeah, but if, but not that sexy. Like, it's not that sexy. Just, it's not. But I mean, yes, like, it can be incredibly painful. So it's like, you know, you're, you're doing God's work is what I'm trying to say. Dr. Winter, for sure. you're doing God's work. Yeah. Um, you know, speak, you were talking about how female parts are sort of just like rearranged, uh, male parts. And that, uh, would bring me to one of my first questions for you. Um, yeah. and this at first may seem, like a bit of a weird segue, but can we, let's talk about the G spot and what that is and why that might correlate. Actually, you know, I think just to set stage, this is like actually internally driving me crazy. Um, Where does gynecology end and urology begin? I mean, I, there's no official, there's no like a, that's debatable. I mean, there are certain things that are definitely gynecology, right? Like I don't do pregnancy, Right. Like I don't do uterus stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's funny actually, because I happen to be 38 weeks pregnant right now. And, um, and I, uh, thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Um, so if I sound breathy, it's really because I have my diaphragm, like is not moving (laughs) much because I am a huge person inside of me. Um, but it's funny because I go to the OB and she's like, well, you know, like the stages of labor. I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I like, I don't remember that. I did a month of OB like 14 years ago or something. Yeah. I don't know. Right. <laughs> um, so, so pregnancy, um, you know, uterus, uterine conditions, um, you know, endometriosis, things like that. I mean, those are definitely within the purview of gynecology. Um, you know, uh, gynecologic malignancies like ovarian cancer. That's definitely within the, the, the scope of gynecology. Um, and then I, I think with things like incontinence, um, that's very much like overlap, um, mm-hmm. because it's, cause it's like bladder and urethra, yeah, yeah. but then that's also really close to the vagina. So, so that like depends, um, and people will definitely go see either, um, well, you know, depending. Yeah. Well, well, the one place, and we mentioned this before, we'll get back to the G spot for our, our listeners who are excited about the G spot coming up. We're, we're teasing them with we're, that. We're te- <laughs> well, I get one, long-winded answers. I'm no, sorry. <laughs> you're doing great, my friend. But, um, <laughs> the, you know, you brought up vaginal estrogen earlier. Is that sort of like a spot of... Uh, is there any contention between you and like uh, an OB uh, regarding the uh, vaginal estrogen? Are they kind of like, this is our realm. This is our lane. It, do you guys have any differences in, in your takes on them? Is it, is it pretty simpatico? Yeah. So the way that the reason this comes up, right. Is like, if, even if you're doing straight general urology, right. What is something that gets referred to a general, to, to general urology, right. Is somebody who keeps getting urinary tract infections. And when a, a, you know, a woman who's peri or postmenopausal comes in to see me and they're getting urinary tract infections, then one of the things you have to counsel them on is using estrogen in their vagina, 
right? So this is like for the backstory for people who don't follow me all the time on my social media presence, because that has been shown uh, with excellent evidence to reduce the risk of urinary tract infections, right? Mm. So, so that like, it has to be my lane, right? Even if I never wanted to talk to somebody about vaginas, which I love talking about <laughs> as with all genital organs, like <laughs> I have to, if I have to talk about that. And if I don't talk about it, I'm not doing my job uh, mm-hmm. as a urologist so mm-hmm. so it's my lane uh even if it has nothing to do with the vagina itself which again um so so it's my lane and i think it should be all urologist lane and um unfortunately it's something that never came up in residency like not once yeah um which is crazy <laughs> and so part of the reason why i became so obsessed with talking about it online is because it's a very safe very basic intervention that has something to do with something that's very common uh, for the types of patients we see. Um, and I don't think that any gynecologist has ever said to me like that they disagree with me being so, having so much ownership of this topic. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never come across that. I think sometimes they're like, why have you made this so popular? And I'm like, because I, because nobody else was. So, <laughs> so no one's claiming you know, that space. Just, yeah. 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 I mean, you just have to say like, what are the things that you care about that you aren't hearing people talk about and then talk about them. And, um, you know, that's fine. All right. Okay, and then let's... I think the, sorry. And then the other thing about the, the area purview of urology and gynecology, I would say is this thing like, you know, about other aspects of sexual function, right? So G spot, um, clitoris, right? Like the clitoris and the penis are the same thing. They're just kind of rearranged a little differently and they're different sizes, but um, I mean, speak for yourself. Yeah. Come on. We're not going to okay. shame you anyone guys, here. You guys have, We're not shaming right. anyone here. We're not talking about that sort of stuff. Okay, Ashley. <laughs> Go on. I mean, sorry. Um, but right. Like have a, do you remember in med school? Like how much did you learn about the clitoris in med school? Oh, I'm, certain there might have been like one sentence at one point in a lecture at at best i mean probably anatomy and that was about it right not disorders not conditions like not not normal physiology not how to treat conditions of the clitoris not like what are typical presentations nothing right and that's not standard discussion in medical school. It's not standard discussion in urology school. It's not standard discussion, you know, in, in gynecology school for what at least to my knowledge, right? Just so you know, um, Sharky, so like, there's not urology school, okay? They, <laughs> oh, they, they, yeah. they have a residency, but yeah, go on, I'm sorry. Keep going. But the point being, like, you know, my, a good friend of mine always says, like, who owns the clitoris? Like, in, in the world of medicine, who owns the clitoris, right? Like, somebody needs to take ownership of caring about this organ. And Wouldn't it be weird if GI no... of gastroenterology did? <laughs> we're, like, we're just like, that's ours now. We're going to claim that. That in the spleen. We'll claim these two things that no one else is. That's our thing. <laughs> right. No, but it's like. It's like somebody needs to take ownership over it to to care about it. Right. So if somebody has a problem with it, they know who to see, right? Yeah, and nobody right. was doing that. So yeah. it's like me and 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 some other people who have a particular interest in sexual dysfunction. Uh-huh. Um, you know, also just were like, let's talk about this more. And it was interesting. In my last job, um, which was in a large managed care organization, um, um, up in Oregon, I was like the clitoris expert of the group and all the urologists would send me the people with clitoris problems and all the gynecologists would send me all the patients with clitoris so, problems. And, and so it wasn't like a problem. Like the gynecologists weren't mad at me. They were like, oh, this is awesome. 
What t- tell us what That's clitoris <laughs> what clitoris problems were you like what's the most common clitoris problem? Yeah, so a very common one is clitoral phimosis. So the same way, right, a uncircumcised penis has a foreskin. Um, you know, the disgusting. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> the, right, right. The the clitoris has a hood, right? And that's uh-huh. the pre- Prepucial skin, which is essentially the foreskin, right? So mm-hmm. it has it has a foreskin. It's just rearranged, and so you can actually right phimosis of a penis is when the foreskin gets stuck over the penis, right? And that can cause problems. Like you can get irritation of the tip of your penis because it's all covered up and you can't pull it down. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can get infection there. Um, you know, you can have like problems getting an orgasm because you can't uncover and stimulate the head of the penis. Right. Right. So these are all problems. So the same exact thing can happen to a clitoris. So, um, you know, and there are conditions that will predispose to that happening. So anyway, so I've had patients like that would be referred to me because they said, Oh, Hey, I, I have this intense pain, you know, genital pain. And then somebody examined them and was like, Oh, your clitoris, we can't see it. Right. It's fully buried under this foreskin. Um, yeah. Or it, so it's hurting me or I can't get an orgasm and then they look and it's stuck. So I'm like, so they would send to me and I would, I would treat that condition, which is, you know, there's basically really basic procedures you can do to like pull, pull gotcha. it back, mm-hmm. not remove it, but just yeah. pull it back. Yeah. Um, and so it sounds so basic, but like for somebody who needs that intervention, it's, huge. It, it's a huge deal. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like, like they're like, Oh, Hey, I couldn't get an orgasm anymore. My vibrator, wasn't doing the job. <laughs> right. And then I went and saw you and you did this like five minute procedure and then I can do it now. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I've had people handwrite me letters, like so thankful that I was the person who could deal with their clitoris. Like, you know, mm. it's, but, but we, right, when it comes to, to organs, like the clitoris, people act like yeah. it's this black box and it's like vague and, 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 and complicated and like women's bodies are mysteries. And it's like, well, do you, do you there's think it's, so many things you can do, do <laughs> that can help people. Do, do you, know? you think it's because people just aren't comfortable still talking about this sort of stuff? Yes. I mean, yes. like how much of, do you find, I mean, you're, I mean, you're 38, you're ancient. So you've been around for a long time. <laughs> hey, I didn't mean do, I was ancient. No, I, just, I mean, really, really old. So, I mean, <laughs> do you feel like over the years you've been alive, many of them, do you feel like it's changed? <laughs> do, you, do you feel like people are getting more comfortable talk i kind of do but maybe that's just me and the world i'm inhabiting let me let me ask a variation of that question which i like so my observation and maybe this is just i'm I'm married to a very open jewish wife Mm -hmm. um but it seems like women are more comfortable talking about this stuff than men are and as a doctor who treats both men and women is is that your experience or like, does that show up? Like I, I just, I, I mean, I, I just feel like in society, mm. w- women talk about their vibrators. They talk about their yeah. sex lives. They're talking yeah. to each other about their yeah. sex lives. When I get together with my guy friends, we are not talking yeah. about masturbation if, or if a dude talks about his fleshlight, you're like, what the fuck's come on, dude. That's, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, like, it's weird. Is that, that's a good question. Is there, is there a difference between the gender lines? No, I mean, in real life, like my friends and I don't sit around talking about our vibrators and stuff. I feel like that's something that like happens on TV shows about girlfriends. And then, like, and I, 
I mean, I don't know. I mean, and then, then, you know, on social media, I talk about all this stuff because that's like my professional interest, but like, if I'm having brunch with my friends, like we don't talk about our orgasms like at all. Um, and not, not that there's anything wrong with that, but, um, you know, either way, it's just like not what we normally talk about. But, um, I, I, when it comes to patience, I think it's more like generational and cultural. Definitely. Um, that makes sense. uh, you know, like there are certain, like when I was in practice up in, in Oregon, right. I'd have like my Metro Portland population. Um, and there you'd have people who were like, some guy who was like 65 and was going to like a sex club and like was polyamorous and chill. And then I, you know, I'd have some other, you know, couple where I, they had been married for 50 years and I had to show them where the wife's clitoris was because she wasn't sure she had ever had an orgasm. And I was like, I'm going to fix this problem today, today, um, you know, so yeah, I, I, I don't know. So maybe I, I guess, more generational than any, than anything. Yeah, generational, cultural. Um, you know, I think that certain like religious, uh, certain religious upbringings, I, I found, I think, were more repressed than others. Mm. Um, you know, that's not one hundred percent of the case, but but I do think that that definitely played a sure. Yeah. Um, well, well, let's let's yeah. let, let's get back to my my original question: Is the female orgasm real? Um, no, I'm just kidding. Is the female, is the G spot real? Can you tell us a, is it real B? How does that correlate to male anatomy? If at all, if it does. Um, and you know, I, cause I think there's a lot around the G spot that at this point, I feel like in the last 20, 30 years, I feel like the pendulum has gone back and forth on it about like, is it a real thing? Is it sort of overblown its importance, et cetera. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So, you know, I'd say the answer is it's, it's still contentious, very contentious. Um, that said, um, you know, my belief is that the G spot is the female prostate. Okay. So, Right. If you were going to like very oversimplify male sexuality, you would say that there is an orgasm associated with uh, penile stimulation. And then you can also have an orgasm associated with like anal and prostatic stimulation. Right. Um, And again, that's way oversimplification, but, but those are things, right? Like you can stimulate someone, you know, through the, through the anus and rub their prostate and you don't have to, they don't have to be penetrating and they can have sexual pleasure. Right. So, um, the correlate again, an oversimplification would be a a clitoral orgasm versus a G spot orgasm. And the G spot being this specific location along the front wall of the vagina that touches the urethra, which is the same location as where you would find the prostate gland in a, in a dude. Um, and there's actually like, if you look under a microscope at the glands around the urethra in a, in a female, there's, um, a lot of nerves and there's, uh, actually, cells that have PSA in them that like, and PSA is something you find in, in a prostate gland, um, in men, hmm. but it's just a lot smaller and rudimentary in, in females. Hmm. So the idea being like, right. 
you there's this idea like oh you can stimulate a, a clitoris and a woman can have an orgasm or you can have a penetrative orgasm and the idea would be that this stimulation of the vagina in that front part of the vagina like what we call the anterior wall would would rub that g-spot and give you the equivalent of a of a male like rectal stimulation orgasm um again this is like super simplified but that's that's my my belief <laughs> Here, um yeah uh, so i got a question about this so <clears throat> i feel like i read somewhere recently that clitoral tissue um extends farther uh than just the clitoris that it's it's you know um underneath the skin i guess you know sort of the pelvic area mm-hmm. um is uh you know it's 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 the that same tissue sort of extends farther so like is there a possibility that what we perceive as a g-spot is really just indirect stimulation of that clitoral tissue I love this. You're very sophisticated in your knowledge of this. So yes, what typically people think of as the clitoris is just the tip of the iceberg, so to speak. And there's actually, um, you know, this, it's kind of like a wishbone shape. Um, and what you're seeing is just the glands, which is like just seeing the head of the penis. And then it goes all the way down, um, kind of under long, under, under the, um, pubic bone, which is like, you know, your pelvic bones. Um, interestingly, the penis does this also, right. Because they're very similar organs. So your penis, you like, you only see like half of your penis and your penis extends down to what we, you would like, if you went to a yoga class, what you'd call your sit bones, your penis goes all the way down to there. So you may feel like people call it like your taint or your perineum, um, but you might notice like feel like fullness there when you're getting more erect. And that's because your penis extends down there. So, mm. so the two are the same <laughs> in that respect. Um, and that the clitoris body goes alongside the vagina, vaginal walls on both sides. And yes, when you're engorged, you're stimulating the clitoris internally. Uh, again, it's not like as sensitive as the tip, right? In the sure. same way, like if somebody was going to like, you, while you were aroused, like really like rub your perineum, it probably wouldn't stimulate you the same way as if your your the head of your penis was was stimulated, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so it it can be the case. Um, I just I, I think it's multifactorial. I think when somebody has pleasure from vaginal penetration, it's probably a combination of this like female prostate complex and stimulation of, of the clitoris. Um, and again, it's also very normal for a lot of people with, with female, you know, genital organs to not orgasm from that stimulation, um, which is, which is perfectly fine. Right. And that's very normal. Um, anyway, <laughs> again, a long I answer. Love, I love, um, I love that Sharky, I love that Sharky will ask sophisticated medical questions on the show and I'm the one being like why do I have to shake so many times after I pee (laughs) oh my god okay that is honestly probably the most I don't know what it is in GI but but post void dribbling meaning like drip dripping after you pee Mm -hmm. is something that every guy like is like why do I do that and we're just like it's just normal it's like (laughs) <laughs> like if you have a hose and you turn your hose off, there's some drips afterwards. Like you can't fix that. Like it's just <laughs> like you have to, if you don't shake out your hose, there's some drips in there. Yeah, right? Sure. And, well, I think, I, I, I think, <laughs> I think most guys have a memory of being like nine or 10. Yeah. 
where you we know, never had that problem, or at you, least acknowledged it. Right, right. Like probably the hose wasn't as long, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, right. And, and hadn't been used as much. Yeah, so, right. Like right. you know, it, was, it, uh, it had the, better structural integrity back uh, then. Yes. So <laughs> post urinary uh, retention was probably much much better. Right, right. All right. Let, let, I'm sorry. Get go. back to back to the G spot. Like, so it yeah. is definitely, it sounds like it's definitely, at least in your interpretation of it real, like whether or not it's like this magical spot is that, that sort of seems to be the question. Is that correct? Yeah. I, I, I think overall the narrative that bothers me with any of this, whether it's saying, yo, you have a G spot, you just have to find it, or it's internal stimulation of the clitoris and you just have to be better at that would be like saying, you know, to every single guy on the planet, okay, I it's, it's going to be abnormal if you don't accept having prostate orgasms as your primary orgasm, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, like, right. like that would feel like wrong to you, right? right. You would be like, well, I like my, the tip of my penis being stimulated and the right. shaft of my penis being stimulated. So right. why are you trying so hard to get me off with my prostate? Like, leave right. it alone. Like, right. or, or maybe I'm really into it and that's fine. But um, regardless, I do think that the focus on either G-spot or internal stimulation of the clitoris and the, the hyper fascination we have with that is a very like penetration centric penis. Yeah, that's, <laughs> or, that's, you know, that's really interesting. Do you, do you, ha- is that a common conversation? Like where people, where women will come to you and be like, I can't orgasm from just penetration. And then you have to have this conversation. Is this common? Yeah. I mean, that's a basic, basic sexual education that I think, especially with, with, you know, maybe our parents' generation was just totally missed. And it does, it makes me sad because you'll have people who, you know, have had an entire adult sexual experience that could have been so much better if they had just acknowledged the the basic existence of their external clitoral stimulation and that being like the primary locus of their pleasure and that being normal, um, mm-hmm. right, right? you know, and, and uh, yeah. It seems like it'd be really weird and backwards for somebody born in the past, I don't know, 50 years to be uh, penetration centric in that way. Like, I I feel like there's enough stuff out there, at least a thoughtful person. But with that said, I can see how there is almost a a form of wishful thinking Mm -hmm. on the part of men that... um, if their penis is somehow magical enough to just deliver an well, orgasm. Well, just that, you know, if, uh, hopefully, I mean, it feels good to me. Hopefully it feels right, good right. to her yeah, too. Yeah. It's, it's not as, as I'm not looking at it. I'm being more generous in, sure. in how I'm looking at it. <laughs> well, I, I would say this, right? I mean, we have these discussions, but then every time you watch like a sex scene in a movie, it's not like a guy like sitting there holding his hand out, like, like, being like that, like right, his right. fingers, yeah, right, and then right. and then they're just kind of looking at each other until she orgasms, you right, know, right. or he's like, you know, that's like Absolutely. she uses the vibrator when she's alone. There's never and been like a Hollywood reason, love scene with a vibrator, has there? Yeah, that's really weird. Yeah, like, now that I think about it, I mean, in porn they do it sometimes, but not in most porn. But like but in not like not in most porn, yeah. yeah. But not in like the action movies, yeah. right? Like where they hook up, they, like they orgasm, they climax together, together. Oh, and can we also talk about how in like every movie the sex scene is like for some reason they're sitting up facing each other? Like who has sex that way? Like are you sitting 
you and your partner facing each other like oh i only have sex in cinematic <laughs> graphically like correct positions that's correct like, for me like, nobody, nobody has sex that way nobody, like, <laughs> Full weird just... straight missionary like, like yeah, yeah. that's like kind of uncomfortable your hip bones are like smacking <laughs> against each other like yeah yeah, yeah. it's, it's so not we... ideal all right filmmakers no, exactly. out there if you're listening no so, yeah, that's a great and, point. you know the the other thing is we talk about sex so much and we portray sex so much, but I really don't think that we portray sexual dysfunctions very much. Um, mm. And that is another thing that is not, you know, just, I mean, I guess erectile dysfunction, you know, cause we know about the blue pill and stuff like that, but you know, orgasmic disorders, sexual pain, um, you know, I just, these are things that don't, don't really come up on the societal level that we, that, that they exist. Um, you know, so, I mean, somebody in terms of like questions people were putting online, um, for us to talk about somebody was like, oh, can you talk about, you know, updated information, for example, about sexual dysfunction and SSRIs, right? Antidepressants. Mm -hmm or it's a certain class of antidepressants that are really common. Um, Retrograde and like, ejaculation and, and... Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's just not like... Those are really common things, and people... I, I don't see it really discussed that much. Um, actually, I, I want to hear about retrograde ejaculation because there's very few terms in medicine that make me feel less comfortable than that term. Can, can, what is retrograde ejaculation? Can you explain what that is? Yeah, so it's it's a term generally for the idea that you would have an orgasm and it'd be a dry orgasm and not that it would be like pre, not, not the way it was when you were like prepubital before you had your first like ejaculate, um, but that you are, let's say, you know, 38 years old, very old and, so fucking old. and you, and, and you have an orgasm and nothing comes out. Right. Wait, they, now, they allow people that old to have orgasms. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was like, um, that's, that's not real. That's uh, they don't do that. Like at 35, like yeah, that's it. Done. You're, You're done. done. You're done. <laughs> um, and, and so typically that's thought to be just that, that you ejaculate and the calm, um, instead of going out, goes backwards into your bladder. Mm -hmm. That said, is that, there what, are is that what is actually happening? Well, that's what happens sometimes. And another portion of the time you actually just have what's called failure of emission, which means that the fluid doesn't leave um, your ejaculatory ducts and your mm. seminal vesicle. Um, again, these are like the storage location of the cum. Um, mm -hmm. And, and that is actually pretty common. And the reason that happens, the most common reason for that to happen is, is far advanced diabetes, um, mm. because you need uh, specific types of your nervous system um, to, to, contr to contract that and expel it into your urethra, your, mm -hmm. your ejaculate. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, if you have like nerve damage, which, which diabetes causes, uh, you'll, you'll stop pushing that forward. So I'll have people who will like come back in with years of really, really profound diabetes and be like, I don't ejaculate anymore. And, you know, you have to like explain to them why, um, is there, a, uh, That's, is there any sort of therapy or treatment for that? Or is it just, eh, sorry, controlling their blood sugar, I mean, I'm assuming. 
Yeah, you can have some organum function um, if you get your your diabetes under control. But the same way, a lot of nerve damage from diabetes is irreversible. Like if you've gone blind from your diabetes, like the nerve damage that affects your sexual organs is often irreversible. So, mm. um, you know, I always say when people are trying to discuss with with young young people who have diabetes, like strategies to to get them to be compliant um you know talk to them about their sex lives because mm. it it can devastate you both yeah. erectile dysfunction um infertility because you're not ejaculating and the same with clitoris i mean it's the same thing you can lose sensation in your clitoris from it um and lose orgasm sensation so it just sucks but, <laughs> and, but- and uh but that yeah. can be drug-induced too, right? Like SSRIs can cause retrograde ejaculation. So SSRIs don't cause retrograde ejaculation. They cause uh, delayed ejaculation. Oh. Um, or mm. some people call it retarded ejaculation. Um, I think that's like an old school term probably. But but they just raise the threshold to to reach climax. So retrograde ejaculation is like, I'm reaching climax, but the ejaculate's not coming out and delayed ejaculation is you're having more trouble orgasm. Right. Mm. Um, but SSRIs don't, don't mess with the, the mechanics of like where the ejaculate goes. Um, and right. Interestingly, that's why SSRIs are used for treatment of premature ejaculation. When people like, let's say come within 30 seconds, um, because it, it's like you leverage that side effect that's bad right. in in most people like to to be a good side effect it slows everything down do a little bit yeah. yeah 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 exactly i want to go back to something you were saying a second ago about being uncomfortable having sex which i know is a problem for many women um and particularly um maybe this is a way to um go into the vaginal estrogen stuff but um I'm in an age group, sadly, um, (laughs) where... Wait, sorry. Can I interrupt you real quick to finish one thing? Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. So there is yeah. there are some medications which do cause retrograde ejaculation, like Flomax, Tamsulosin, if you've heard of this. Um that causes retrograde ejaculation. And when you stop it, your retrograde ejaculation will fix itself. And then there are certain medical procedures that cause it, but I, Flo- I digress and I, let's go back. Flo- <laughs> but I, I, yes. Flomax. Um, what is that prescribed for? I feel like I've heard of that. Uh, it's prescribed for, for- to help you pee. For what? Large prostates to okay. help you urinate. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Got, yeah. Got it. yeah. All right. Yeah. So, um, sorry, yeah, let's get back to you being old. <laughs> no. Yeah. This is what being really old looks like. Um, so postmenopausal women, um, my understanding, I'm not a woman, I'm not postmenopausal, but my understanding is many complain about sex during intercourse. Um, 
And I imagine that's something that you hear about as well as a urologist or, uh, I mean, you mentioned it. And so I thought it, it, it'd be worth talking about. Yeah. So, you know, again, when we talk about displaying sexual dysfunction in, in movies, right. When you think about menopause and the menopause transition as, as portrayed in, um, movies, TV, pop culture, right. It's just like, Oh, she's getting hot flashes, right? Like, that is the thing that you hear about, right? And that's a non-sexual symptom. Um, but there's a profound effect of peri and postmenopause on um, what we call your genitourinary organs, right? Meaning your vagina, your urethra, your clitoris. Um, and those symptoms are, right, dryness, pain with sex. The, the opening near, literally narrows to your vagina. Like, I mean, you can, I have seen, you know, untreated 85 year old vaginas and it can be like a pinpoint mm. opening right like how are mm -hmm. you going to have sex like that if you penetrative sex right i mean that's of course it's going to be painful right. um having to pee all the time burning when you pee like these are all just as much a symptom of menopause as hot flashes but like you're never watching a movie and she knows she's going through menopause because it burned when she peed mm -hmm. uh or her vagina was dry right like yeah. that's never the discussion it's ne that's no. never it they'll talk about um, hot flashes and that's it that's that because that can be played it. for comedic like benefit you know the hot flash but talking about these other things not so much Right. I mean, and that's the way we oversimplify everything, right? Everybody in a movie learns out they're pregnant because they puked one morning <laughs> and then they were pregnant. I mean, it was right. like, okay, that's definitely not like the only way anybody ever finds out they're pregnant. Like, right, right. Um, but, but, uh, but I, do, but anyway, so the point being that those, unlike hot flashes, which tend to go away, right? over after a period of time, the symptoms like from your bladder and urethra and all this stuff, those genital urinary symptoms, they don't ever reverse themselves or end, right? They're not self-limiting and, but you can treat them so effectively, right? And the easiest way to treat them is by taking hormones and putting them in your vagina. And you can maintain like a very healthy vagina doing that. And it's extremely safe and you can do it for your, like the rest of your life. You can do it for 50 years with no risk of cancer or blood clots or anything. Um, and, you know, my personal, like, not only make sex feel better and life be more comfortable and urinary symptoms go away and also prevent UTIs. Oh, that's so interesting. Right? The, like, the UTI yes. <laughs> yes. So it's all connected. And, and I tell everybody, like, when I go through menopause, I'm going to use treatment for that. I'm going to use local hormones and I'm going to use it until the day I die and I will be buried with my tube of vaginal estrogen like i and do you yeah. prefer, do you prefer tube versus patch or like do you i know some women do the patch thing i love it you're so informed so uh, the patch is what we call systemic hormones which means like that is treatment specifically designed to raise the level of estrogen in the bloodstream okay mm. and that is primarily treatment for hot flashes um and other very specific symptoms it is not considered a treatment for those vaginal and urethra symptoms right so to, so the primary treatment for that is putting a cream or a suppository in the in the vagina um, or a ring. Mm. Um, so they're not the same. Um, and unfortunately, even though the vaginal and urinary symptoms are the ones that 
people actually have the most quality of life issues from, uh, those are the most undertreated um, because because that's like not the focus when we talk about menopause, right? It's the hot flashes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so people are put on a patch, but that's not that's not the whole story. So, so you, um, you again, pre- this is, for, yeah. For, for the vaginal issues, you prefer the cre- cream or suppository versus the yes. patch. It's more effective and it doesn't raise the blood hormone levels, so it's more safe. So all this, like, there's a lot of controversy about hormones in menopause, right? Like, does it cause breast cancer? Does it cause uterine cancer? Does it cause blood clots? And the, can you use it if you have had breast cancer, family history of breast cancer, and the vaginal preparations, there's, like, no controversy there. It's, like, so extremely safe, um, and it's considered safe to use basically forever. And it treats those symptoms, better than 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 pills or patches um so so basically i'm just like obsessed with it and it's not used (laughs) enough and well that's that's really helpful because when i put out the the post on twitter if anyone had questions asked a very common one was what instance should you not use uh you know vaginal estrogen if are there any instances where it wouldn't be appropriate are there any contraindications to using it and it doesn't sound like there's too many um there are a few though but not too many right yeah i mean if you actively are being treated for breast cancer particularly with um you know estrogen suppressing medications then it's debatable but even then if it's like your vaginal symptoms are so bad that you would stop your cancer treatment because of the side effects most you know, breast oncologists or breast cancer doctors would say, I'd rather you continue your estrogen suppressing medications and take a low dose vaginal estrogen in conjunction than to stop your estrogen suppressing medicines. Um, because one is going to target that specific area while keeping your overall body levels low. Mm. Right. Um, so, and that's the most extreme example and really every other situation it's, consider it safe. I mean, it's like, like I say, it's like brushing your teeth. It's like, it's so not controversial. And, and so you, you you mentioned a ring. Is that like something that just, uh, gives, uh, like a, a, over a longer period, like a, a steady output? Yeah. Yeah. So it just goes in, in the vagina, um, and sits up there for about three months and slow releases. And then you take it out and you switch it every few months. Um, and people love it. Like it's not messy. You don't have to remember to do it. It treats the symptoms. It's safe. Um, it's the main problem with it is it's very expensive and a lot of insurances don't cover it. Um, and so you're spending like several hundred dollars every few months, which sucks because again, you know, insurance companies don't think that sexual health is health. Um, they think it's optional. Well, maybe that brings us to Odella health what is that something oh, yeah. you guys are doing what's the story with that yeah so uh, we have vaginal suppositories and vaginal cream uh for estrogen we don't have the ring um because again it's so expensive at this point in time and our model is like we're not going through insurance um uh, and and part of that is because through insurance um the prices are worse than what we can source it for right and that's like you know, just the current healthcare environment we live in right now, right? Like uh, insurance companies denying certain diagnoses, uh, pharmacy benefit managers kind of um, 
it's a very complicated role in making things less accessible to patients. And, uh, you know, if people go through their insurance, oftentimes it's like, you know, 200, $300, um, for, for a tube that we can get them for $50. Um, so all right, let's so yeah, let's segue to this is not a segue actually. Let's just change topics completely because there's other questions I have and I have limited time with you and I have so many questions. But let's get to another one that I think is is a real interest of like uh it's also in the the public mind and the public eye and there's been like a pendulum here where it goes back and forth about what it is and and if it's real again. Can you talk about the female ejaculation or squirting, like what it is, what's in Mm. that? Because I I feel like every couple of months, there's some new something that comes out saying, actually, it's blank inside this. So can you tell us a little bit about what it is? Yeah. So the complicated answer is that it's or the simple answer is that it's complicated. (laughs) Again, (laughs) um, uh, you know, some people say squirting is just urine. sometimes it is right. So, so there's a medical term for when you pee while you orgasm and that's called climacturia. Um, and it can exist in women and it can also exist in men, uh, most commonly in men after they've had their prostate removed. Um, so a lot of men after prostate cancer surgery, not a lot, but some percentage will have climacturia. Um, isn't there and, like in men, what, what's it called? The vassal nerve or uh, the vas deferens? No, uh, there's like something that actually stops you from peeing when you have an erection. Like it's like a, a valve that kicks in or a, a, I forget what it is, but I'm. Yeah. Yeah. Your, your prostate, basically your the bladder neck. So the men have like an extra sphincter uh, compared to women, basically. Yeah, um, that's and- right. Men. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so so what happens is when you ejaculate, the bladder um, closes, the bladder neck or the, the base of the bladder closes, mm. and then that way the ejaculate comes out down here and it goes forward. Sorry, people who are listening are... Yeah, yeah, she's making hand motions about the <laughs> flow of sperm, and yeah. <laughs> it's, it's pretty awesome. You guys are missing out. Yeah. Sorry. Basically, there's a valve right near the near your bladder that closes, which allows the ejaculate to flow forward. Um, and when you take certain medications, for example, like Flomax, that allows you to retrograde ejaculation because that sphincter doesn't close anymore. Right. Mm. But the problem is when you have your prostate removed, you get rid of that extra sphincter. So your ability to um resist peeing when you're sexually aroused it goes down to some extent right like you've removed one of those layers Got it. Um, oh, so oh, that's why it's easier i didn't mean to send us down a side road so back to women <laughs> no no i mean i love talking about all this stuff yeah. this is all the plumbing i mean it's very cool um but there's an explanation for a lot of these things right um but anyway so there's a subset of people who uh squirt and they're ha- actually having climacteria right like they're pe- peeing Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then there is also, um, f- like fluid that can come out during orgasm. That's actually from those periurethral glands. So the glands around the urethra that embryologically, uh, or are the equivalent of the prostate in, in guys. Right. So that actually, if you look at them, like chemically is very similar to, 
male ejaculate just without sperm because um, obviously female bodies don't have testicles. Um, but, but so, so there's probably two types and there's probably also some people who have a mixture. Um, uh, but, but that's generally what it comes down to. Um, and yet people will probably argue about this for the rest of time. And I know that there are some people who are very, um, intricate research in this area who, right. who will tell me that even that's wrong. Um, but that's, that's it, you what know, I know. At the end of the day, I don't think it's, important like whatever like if that's part of the sexual process and that's part of someone's sexual gratification i am 135 percent behind it and that's great yeah um, like what's in it i don't think should be that important to people but it is kind of a matter of curiosity like what are the uh, you know, where is it coming from just from an anatomical perspective as a doctor i think that is a bit interesting um all right okay. and also just knowing that it's it's real yeah yeah and and not you know, I don't right. know, like something they do it for porn to right. make it look like, right? Oh, right. she's yeah, right. no, it's not CGI. Yeah. <laughs> um, but again, I think, and this is a, another thing that's wonderful about sexual medicine to say, like, it's normal if you do that. It's normal if it's pee. It's normal if it's right. ejaculate, and it's also normal if you can't do that. Right? Like, it doesn't Totes. matter, and yeah. all those things are normal. Um, and and you know, somebody trying to force themselves to reach that and feel like a failure if they don't like, just don't worry about that. Like feel good, right. have intimacy. And that's what sex should be about. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. all, all right. We're running low on time, but I do have, there is at least one more topic that we need to cover. And that's, and I'm sure you get this a lot on the internet. It feels like there are a lot of these pseudoscientific claims. I'm assuming, uh, about, the health benefits of semen retention. It's, you oh. know, we just, we just left November and no oh, yeah. fap, whatever. It was no nut November. No nut November. Right. Like, yes. um, A, just help us address whether or not there are any health benefits to it or detriments. And, and maybe talk about where that's coming from, these, these beliefs. Yes. Ugh. This is something that endlessly upsets me because um, there there is this modern um, semen retention movement um, of that that is definitely very is very tied in with kind of in cell communities, um, mm. you know, that believe that if you keep your semen in you uh, for an extended period of time that your testosterone will go up and you'll become more powerful um, and, and more manly and more attractive and more focused and all this stuff that like has never, has no scientific claims whatsoever. And part of <laughs> the reason this came up the other day was because there was a quote from, from Tyson Fury uh, saying that he was going to try to not ejaculate for seven weeks before his next fight and that it was going to make his testosterone through the roof, which oh, is boy. just like, not true. And then I responded to that on Twitter and I got quoted in the daily mail, uh, saying that Tyson Fury is going to ejaculate in his sleep. Uh, <laughs> I was like, that's like one of the coolest things that I've ever been quoted in saying. Well, wait a second. Um, so well, hold on a second. Um, cause I, 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 I saw that quote, uh, and I thought to myself, now, hang on, that's kind of interesting. Like, no ejaculation and you have to ejaculate so bad that you just do it in your sleep like is it driving up the need to do it i mean the, you don't necessarily do it but there's a much lower threshold to have a, a wet dream um 
or aka ejaculate in your sleep if you're not having um ejaculation you know during daytime hours um or nighttime hours or waking hours if you will uh for an extended period of time like um you know i don't know the last time you tried to withhold ejaculating for months at a time but if you did never uh, you may find <laughs> right but but I never th- ever may... tried to do that <laughs> but if you did you may find yourself having a wet dream or or ejaculating in your sleep right. like that's just it's physiologically more common if you're not doing that during well the now we know why that never um, happened to me <laughs> i know people are like i don't think that happens i'm like if you really want to do this personal experiment, I don't think you're going to be interested in doing, but you can. <laughs> no, it's not that much fun. No, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's not fun. I mean, I, I think it's been proven, right? Or at least there was one study about maybe five to 10 years ago, I'm vaguely re- remembering that they showed men who had more orgasms in, in a given week tended to be healthier and live longer. I mean, I'm sure there's lots of components that, you know, <clears throat> cause that to be a difficult study to do properly. But I, I don't think there's ever, ever, ever been proven that there's any health benefits to, to less, to less orgasms. So that, that's, that no, there I, aren't. Sorry, yeah. go ahead. Well, well, so there's, there's two things, there's a few things, right? So, um, one, there was like this one really bad study that showed that, um, at the time of orgasm, your testosterone will be transiently higher if you abstain for from sex for about seven days beforehand. Right. So that study is, was in a small group of people. And again, a very transient rise. Like you're not talking about your baseline testosterone level. It's not like taking T supplements and being like roided out. Right. Um, and that study has been so aggressively misquoted by this community who says that if you don't ejaculate, you're going to have a higher testosterone. Mm. And the irony of it is that what they were looking at was testosterone at the time of orgasm. So the idea being like, okay, to abstain, will give you higher testosterone at the time of orgasm. But then once you've orgasmed, you're not abstaining anymore. Right. Right. So it doesn't make any sense to quote that as a justification for not orgasming. And and (laughs) none of them, and everybody who quotes me that paper has never read it. And I'm like, I have actually read that study. Have you? And they're like, no, but this is what the title says. And I'm like, (laughs) okay. So you literally spent the entire month of November, like, not jerking off because you didn't read a study. Did you (laughs) read the abstract? Did you make it through the abstract at least? Yeah. Yeah. It sucks. Like, and I feel bad. I honestly feel bad for people. So that's number one. Number two is there is a very legitimate medical condition called post-orgasmic illness syndrome. And that's um, kind of a spectrum of disorders that we don't understand very well that can happen in both men and women that have to do with you having bad symptoms after you orgasm, right? Mm-hmm. That can be a headache. Uh, it can be low energy, uh, you know, all this kind of crap. So right. if somebody has a diagnosis of post-orgasmic illness syndrome, they may feel better if they're not sure ejaculating. Yeah. Um, but that's not because they're losing on their semen and they're not like withholding their semen, which is the yeah. source of their manliness their and, or whatever and that, nonsense. Right. Yeah. Right. Like it's considered to be some issue with like a kind of a neurologic disorder associated with activating that orgasm response and, yeah. and what that does in your brain and causes neurologic symptoms. Um, and I think a lot of this mythology around like orgasms, and ejaculating, draining you of your manliness is actually like a misunderstanding of post-orgasmic illness syndrome, 
Um, the other thing that I always say is like, if keeping your sperm inside of your body made you the most manly man, right? Then every guy who's ever had a vasectomy would have like the highest testosterone ever because they would be absorbing, <laughs> right? Because because you right. just absorb right. your You're sperm. You're never releasing like, you that. Just, yeah, yeah. No, they would have yeah. hair, hair growing on their eyelids yeah. and like, <laughs> right, right. And it All is right. by definition like okay, they'd, they'd absorbing your sperm muscles. does not. Yes. <laughs> Do you hear that, right. man? Men, if you take nothing away from today's episode, please <laughs> nut more freely and openly. I mean, in the privacy of your own home or wherever you do it safely. Right. But nut away. Nut <laughs> away. I mean, but like yeah. said, moving away just across both genders, I, I, I think it's there's a lot of scientific evidence to support this idea that just orgasms in general boost health um, overall for both genders, both men and women, it, it is a, a health benefit. hundred percent. I mean, it's good for bonding, you know, that leads to intimacy, you know, that there's a positive psychological benefit from that. Um, you know, there's definitely on the urologic side, um, you know, some thought that having increased throughput from your prostate reduces inflammation. Uh, you know, there's a study that's also very, it's a, it's a good study, but probably the significance of it is overestimated on like that. Actually, if you ejaculate at least, I think it's 20 times a month for like 30 years, you have a lower risk of prostate cancer. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, it's, it's not bad for you to orgasm. I mean, it's bad, right. It's bad for you to orgasm under the wrong circumstances. Yeah, don't like, do it on a zoom. You know. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. 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 But, but the, there, nobody has legitimately shown uh, for the average person that having an orgasm is, is like strips your manliness or your womanliness yeah. or any, or depletes you of, yeah. of whatever. I mean, maybe you're tired afterwards, but like, <laughs> fine. So before, <laughs> before we wind this up, um, okay. So I think we've, we've covered the ejaculation spectrum, sure. the orgasm spectrum. Let's talk about pee for just a minute mm -hmm. um mm. so uh everybody i know that is older complains about getting up in the middle of the night to pee why yeah. why is that so, uh, and <laughs> you know is it normal and t talk about that for a minute so are you talking about men women both i, I both pretty much i, I i'd say yeah probably yeah. more men though don't you i feel like that's a more of a man's complaint uh, maybe I don't I feel know. like I'm doing it more. Yeah. That's why. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, 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 I'm in a band, right. Yeah. And like, you know, we, we had like a, you know, did a reunion show recently and literally everybody in the band was like, yeah, I got to get up at like, you know, <laughs> you know, 3am, 4am and like go pee. And I'm like, okay, something like this isn't like just me. No, no, it's not just you. Dude, I, with the average age of Congress, like I don't understand why we don't have some nat national law saying like like free public restrooms need to be widely available. Like I just I can't believe that like all those dudes who are you know eighty that yeah. are still like in the Senate leadership don't have to pee <laughs> all the time. Like I just I do not believe it. I don't. Um, but but yeah, so it, the answer is that it's normal to pee more. Um, generally, it has to do with enlarging prostate. Um, so, right, your prostate gets bigger in most people as you age, um, and that's 
related to a hormone uh, called DHT. Uh, DHT is also responsible for male pattern baldness um, and like growing hair in your in your nose and ears, (laughs) like all these lovely, lovely things. Um, so, so you may have heard of enlarged prostate and it's not that that's, Hang on um, one second. So if you're bald, are you more likely to have an enlarged prostate? No, because you can have a difference. Um, everybody's different. And so Mm -hmm. the effect of DHT on your prostate versus your head, um, will vary person, person to person. I see. Um, but it is interesting. So there's a medication you may have heard of called Propecia, um, for, for male pattern baldness. And that's actually the exact same drug, um, that's used under a different brand name, uh, to shrink prostates, um, because it's the same hormone that, Mm. that causes both of those things to happen. Um, anyway, anyway, uh, which is a drug. I actually hate that drug because it causes sexual problems. Um, and I, I hate it, but, um, where were we going? So anyway, so anyway, it's a normal part of aging yet generally has to do with prostate. Um, in men, it also may to some extent have to do with decreasing testosterone levels. Um, there was this thought that if you have high testosterone levels, that that would be bad for urinary symptoms. Um, but it's actually been shown, uh, that testosterone is really important for, for bladder function, um, in both men and women. Um, and if you have like very low levels of, of testosterone, um, that that can aggravate bladder symptoms. Um, and then just other things that happen with age, like being constipated makes you have to pee more often. Um, yeah, I don't, uh, other, other, you know, that's, that's not associated with age for women too, as well. Yeah. So uh, in women, definitely, um, again, this, this genital urinary syndrome of menopause that I love talking about can cause bladder symptoms. Um, again, also hormone related changes like in the bladder itself, um, can, can cause issues. Um, medication, um, can, can cause problems with urination, constipation, which occurs in women. There's also more problems that make you get up at night. Right. So sleep apnea, um, like if you have undiagnosed sleep Mm -hmm. apnea, you're Mm going to be getting up and sometimes, you go to the urologist and you say, Hey, I have to pee eight times a night, uh, fix my peeing. And then I'm like, well, do you snore? And I go send them for a sleep study. And it turns out that they were waking up because they had sleep apnea, not because of their bladder, but they were just peeing because <laughs> uh, they, they were up because they woke up and they, yeah. so they go and they pee and then they said, Oh, my pee is waking me up. And it's not always, Oh my God. So I literally like, this was me. Um, <laughs> I was, I was, I was getting, no, like this particular thing, Mm -hmm. I was getting up eight to nine times a night to pee. And I was like, what the fuck do I have? Like prostate cancer? Like I'm, I'm dying. You know, like I did all the cancer. Sure. Um, listen to episode, whatever of our podcast before we talk about the Sharky's health issues. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, well, (laughs) like, but I move past them. Right. Like I don't, I don't just like dwell in them. Yeah. yeah. You're a live in the moment kind of guy. Yeah. So, um, so I go see a urologist. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm dying. You know, I'm, I'm so nervous and like, no, everything's fine. Like he's like, Oh, you just, you're stressed. Um, and it turned out, uh, I had, uh, eventually I, I just sort of figured it out through a process. Of, I was waking up and my heart was pounding. Mm-hmm. I was like, what the mm. fuck? Um, and then through a process of elimination, I've, I finally 
you know, I, I had to like browbeat my, my primary into going into a sleep study. So I went into mm. a sleep study and they're like, oh my God, you have terrible apnea. Mm. Um, yeah. And it was like, oh shit. And so like they, they give you the, the CPAP sure. and, and all that. How you like it? I hated it. I, I, I still hate it. Um, but this is interesting. So the apnea, you know, it, there's all these sort of contributing, fa contributing factors. So like uh, uh, being allergic, uh, which I am, you can have like a narrow uh, breathing way, which I do. You can have a, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, not a, a cleft palate, but a... Uh, An underbite? Like a deviated septum. De thank you. You can have a deviated septum. Um, and so there's all these things. So it's like, turns out I had all the fucking nice. things. So like, you <laughs> nice. know, just like everything. <laughs> So I was like, okay, let's just try and tackle yeah. each of these, right? So like allergies, sure. I was like, I went and started getting allergy shots, mm -hmm. right? Like, so like that got the allergies under control. I had these uh, turbinates in mm -hmm. my nose, which, which were like, at one point- Massive. Like you want to like a really <laughs> amazingly painful experience. They, they Oh, uh, I've had that. It's a good time. Oh yeah. They put the scope up your nose. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And they ablate them, right? Like, mm. and, and it's like, uh, uh, like uh i don't know like burning it or something or laser or see this is like people think urologists are evil but like the stuff that ents do to awake oh, people is yeah. like brutal. crazy you know it's you're in brutal. for a bad time when the ent's like here i have these two tennis balls i want you to hold these <laughs> <laughs> i know i know like so, i worked near an ent and the sounds people would make in yeah, there i right. was like Right, right, right. But Holy here's, shit. <laughs> but this is where this all winds up. Yeah. So I was like, I just started tackling these things, like, sequentially, right? Like, doing what yeah. I could sure. to help what I could. And then eventually I went back and got a sleep study, I don't know, like six months ago. And they're like, you have very, very mild apnea. I went from yeah. severe to mild apnea to very, very mild yeah. to the point that, like, uh, it's marginal whether I need the CPAP or not. Uh -huh. But the, the, you know, having to pee eight yeah. to nine times, which was the only right. symptom, symptom. That, that was visible to right. me. Right, that you recognized. Right, because yeah. uh, everything else was yeah. just... Because when you stopped breathing, you were asleep. You don't know, yeah. Right. And you didn't realize. And to, yeah. to this day, I think about that urologist that I saw, um, and why didn't he red flag... Like, yeah. why did I have to do all the internet research? Because you didn't have Dr. Winter here, man. Yeah. That's why. <laughs> But, you know, if he would have red flagged, like, oh, you can, yeah. you should look at, you know, he was just like, oh, you're probably stressed. And I was stressed. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had that too. But yeah. like, you know, it, it's just so funny yeah. that um, how interdependent all of our systems are. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, it, it's sometimes your, your urinary tract is like your first indicator. Right. That it's the canary in the coal mine. All right. On, 100%. On, on that note, 100%. on that note, and because this whole conversation has made me want to pee, we have to close up uh, here. Um, but before I do, a uh, lot of things I want to to talk about, and and I want to get your guys' plugs. First of all, I have to say this episode brought to you guys by Lucky Dog Hot Sauce. All the contestants on today's show are going to be sent home with a gift pack of <laughs> Lucky Dog Hot Sauce. My 
favorite, I'm being serious, my favorite hot sauce. I'm not just saying that because they're providing me with hot sauce. They're actually so fucking delicious, and I'm so excited for you guys to try them. I want you to try them. And it, w- and it absolutely will not exacerbate any urinary tract issues. No, it's going to, actually, there's some health benefits <laughs> to uh, capsaicin. We'll talk about that on another episode. But anyways, if you're in the San Francisco Bay Area, they're here at Farmer Markets. You can find them at Oakland um, and also San Rafael. But if you're not lucky enough to live where Sharky and I do, you can find them at LuckyDogHotSauce.com. I really recommend Drake's Denogonizer. It's a hot sauce he made with a local beer company called Drake's. It's really fucking good. And Year of the Dog. Those are my two favorites, but they're all really good. Mm. So check them out. I want to hear what you guys think about them when you get them. Um, Sharky, uh, thank you so much, buddy, for coming on again and uh, being such an excellent co-host. They say don't meet your heroes, but sometimes you do, and and then you do podcasts with them. It's it's fucking great. I feel so ridiculous that I would be anything remotely resembling a hero. Oh like, man, you're the uh, wind beneath my wings, or something uh, like that. Um, yeah. Tell tell people where they can find you and tell them about your podcast, which I listen to all the time and fucking love. Oh, uh, so I'm on Twitter, just Sharky L, because my name is Sharky Laguana. Like, if you want to hear about science fiction, politics, Twitter, economics, um, science, medicine, um, I don't know, what the fuck else do I tweet about? Whatever, like, yeah. is, uh, it's, it's just a rehash of my brain. It's, it's my living hard drive space. Uh, my podcast is about local politics. It's three commissioners um, in city politics all appointed by the mayor we get ourselves into a lot of trouble with our podcast constantly (laughs) it's called the fun it's called the fun police uh and you can find it on all your podcast outlets spotify itunes what have you um i recommend listening to it especially if you have any interest at all in san francisco and what the reality of our if you want to see past like whatever fox news bullshit talking point there is on social media about san francisco i highly recommend the fun police it's my one of my uh go-to podcasts i listen to you know what's funny is we kind of modeled ourselves off of house of pod we all listen to it oh dear god i'm sorry no but i mean the idea is talk about serious issues but have a comedy bent yeah um and i'm just so everybody knows i am definitely not the funny one on the podcast buddy you're funny i'm no no i'm well, sorry you're handsome yeah that thank you yeah. that uh, i'll take but uh <laughs> no uh my other two uh co-hosts i'm it's the probably st- why your urologist didn't have, think you had sleep apnea you're just too handsome yeah, yeah, yeah there true. there you go yeah, I, I, you can say that as many times as you want and i'll never get tired of it but uh yeah, no my my other two my other two uh co-hosts are just hilarious yeah uh, the whole um, show is great yeah check it out the fun that's please. great um dr winter please tell us where people can find you and and where they can learn more about your stuff yeah i'm most active on twitter um but my social media my handle on twitter and also on instagram and also on mastodon uh, which i have now signed up for but don't actively really use uh, is Ashley <laughs> A-S-H-L-E-Y and then G like grape and then winter like the season so that's Ashley G winter um, and definitely most active on Twitter and you can hear me ranting about all these things um, as well as um, like making fun of my husband uh, and, <laughs> and various various other things of interest to me um, and and yeah and then also uh, odellahealth.com uh, is the company that I am the CMO of. Um, 
definitely if you you know are in need for some vaginal estrogen and a prescription for one uh check us out yeah. or check us out anyway because yeah, yeah. we're awesome yeah as, and, as uh, they should. i think as they should yeah it, and then it, you can I really yeah. recommend if you don't, if you're on social media, I really do recommend you follow Dr. Winter. She's got so many great uh, tutorials online. I, I I look to them myself for more information and, and you're just a, a nice person from, from all accounts. So excellent doctor, nice person, great guest. We thank you so much for coming on. And you're what? Like thank you so much for having me. Two months away from being a new mom? No, like two weeks. Wow. <laughs> oh, I thought you said 28 oh. months. Dude, dude. No, no, no I'm, tw- I'm 38 weeks. Uh, or 38 weeks. years old. Weeks. Oh, 38, 38 weeks. weeks, man. Whoa. Yes, here, Jeez. here, I can see She's showing us her belly my... right now. Whoa, yeah. Oh my goodness, there's, oh, yeah, a, there's there a creature it's... in there. There is definitely a yes. creature in there. Oh man. <laughs> yeah, so talking about having to pee frequently, that is, I have a, a small human slamming their head into my bladder <laughs> on a frequent basis and I definitely have to go your so, right now. <laughs> so, so, so there is a genetic thing that kicks in after you have kids yeah. for, for dads where like the dad jokes start coming out yeah. just, like automatically. Yeah. So what happens if you're a comedian? Yeah, what's going to happen to your husband? I have no idea. It's going to get ugly. It's going to get ugly. It's going to be so bad. Prepare prepare yourself. (laughs) Buckle in. Thank you so much, Dr. Winter. We really appreciate you being on. Thank you to Nadine for help with production. Again, thank you to Lucky Dog Hot Sauce. Thank you to both of you guys for being on the show today. Everyone, if you're not already following me on Twitter, you can follow me there at The House of Pod. Or if you don't want to do Twitter anymore, I get it. Find me at Mastodon if you can. I don't know. That fucking thing doesn't work all that well. But find me there if you can. Or just listen to the podcast, Barry. Thanks. Love you. Bye-bye. This podcast is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult a physician or other qualified health care provider for your specific health care needs or concerns. The opinions expressed on this podcast do not represent the opinions of our employees. Details in the podcast have been changed so that patient identification is not possible. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.